What's up, Ding Dongs? What's up, Corey Heads? What's up, so, dudes? If you're if this is the first time you've heard our podcast and this is the way you're hearing it, maybe the first time Corey did that, you were like, "That's that's all right. That's kind of I guess I could do that." But realize he does it every episode. I do. I every do. episode we get great. a little bit of that, and everybody loves it. And I actually did have somebody at opening night last night come up to me and say, and self-identify, truly, as a kittens. So, <laughs> looks like I'm connecting with the public, folks. What can I say? People are buying what I'm selling. So, anyway, uh, who are you? I'm Rachel Morgan. And I don't I, have a thing, and I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get one because I've I've learned my lesson, which is I've heard you do it, and it's so irritating <laughs> <laughs> that I'm just I can't. I'm like I got to just keep moving. We I'm need more do bits. <laughs> yeah, let's. <laughs> well, that's right. I'm Rachel Morgan. Let's burger. Let's burger, <laughs> everybody. Let's burger. I have no response. Let's let's keep going. So now it's time for a segment of the podcast called Phone a Friend, where we do just that. Phone a friend. All right. Well, this is the segment of the podcast where we phone a friend. And our friend this time is being phoned in the audience. Hello. Is it working? Lisa, are you there, Bross? Hello. Hi. I'm here. Hey. Normally, I can't see you, so it's super weird. I know, right? Um, we call you because we want to know what you've been watching. Um, okay. Well, I, can I start with a few notes on Red Robin? <laughs> Absolutely. I did no not rules, just that. right. Okay, I I'm gonna talk about a, a film. I'm sh- I'm, so, I'm sure, but um, okay. So I've never stepped foot in a Red Robin in my life yet. Several years ago, <laughs> I got on their email chain, like rewards program, not just random. Like, oh, you might here's a, it was like welcome valuable customer like summer fun deals you know kind of thing and i so why did you do that no i didn't ever do it like someone put down my email address as their own i don't know if they were too stupid to know their own email address i promise but like wouldn't you want your actual because you know sometimes you put a fake email address down if you are like signing up for a thing at a booth to get a free tote bag i I want i want emails from the republican national committee so i might make up a yeah email address like rachel at sidewalkfest.com <laughs> that's where that came from <laughs> but if you were a red robin fan you would think you would get the give them the correct email to get the deals but okay i don't know so i don't know what happened to them. maybe they were like had too many do they have robin cocktails do they do that there they do yeah okay. they have they have some stuff so i get these and i'm never unsubscribed for some reason they're just in my email and i just see them go and so anyway i just was like oh my gosh let's see what Rachel's talking about the Red Robin. So let me see. So I looked at them. Okay, literally uh, Monday, they sent me an email, said, your reward for surviving Monday. And it is the biggest, tallest hamburger I've ever seen. There's pickled <laughs> nickels on it. It's so big. It's like the, not a thing you eat on a Monday. If you eat it on a Monday, that's like that's not a good pattern yeah, for the week. Your week is ruined. Yeah. And so then... Um, in another email, they had something called the wedgie. Are you familiar? I'm not, but thank you for discovering it. It's this. just lettuce wrapped around a hamburger. Well, that's the one they made fun of the man bun people I know, for. but now they're rebranding as the wedgie. Maybe they didn't want it to, Yeah. And then, um, then this is the coolest. So then this says, join our summer of yum. And they have a <laughs> tricked out Airstream that perhaps goes around the country. And yes, thank you for pointing that out. I wanted to correct you. You said yum with two M's. It's three M's. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me. But you're right. It's still like yum, yum. It's not too many. It's still the right amount of (laughs) yeah. 
So anyway, guys, I turned Thank out. you, Lisa. Yeah. We need to do a retraction. Yes, we, yes, we will need to retract that in a future yum. episode. So, oh, and then also, so here's, this might solve the mystery. So apparently I looked at this in June. I got an email for my half birthday treat. So the person who accidentally signed me up for Red Redman <laughs> emails is born in, I believe, December based on this email. So if that was you and your name is some <laughs> variation of Lisa Easterling or whatever, then you might want to like re-sign up so you can get these rewards because I ain't using them. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. <laughs> Oh, so much. And also, everybody's on their phone right now. I bet you're signing up for Red Robin. Yeah, you're signing it up. Yum. Red Robin Rewards. Yum. Yum. Um, Okay, but I guess movie talk, right? Yeah. Let's hear what you've been watching. Okay, so, okay, I did not know this was such a well-known, terrible movie at all. I don't know anything about this movie. I've barely even heard of it. But Toner suggested it, and... I'm sure you are aware, and everyone's aware of this famously bad movie, but I just vaguely knew of it. Um, the Island of Dr. Moreau? Yes. From yeah, 1996? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it turns <laughs> out, it's like that thing where, I mean, I, the H.G. Wells book, sure, never read it, but like, you know, vaguely Skip aware it. of the movie in the 90s. Had no idea. And then, Toner, yeah, we put it on, and I mean, it's HGW. That's hard to watch. <laughs> Y'all feel pretty sad. And like, I mean, I, but I did though. I mean, I was, I couldn't look away, but it was really hard. And, um, okay. So I did think, well, if you, to quote, believe, I believe it was two episodes ago. One of y'all said dog pile of bullshit. (laughs) About this, was, I think this podcast. I, I think that was Rachel, about, who's probably used was that phrase. Talking about our own content, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I just thought that that seemed very, uh, yeah, very apt and very uh, appropriate for this on account of all the dog people and <laughs> hyena people and pig people. And I mean, the pig people, there's a scene with Val. Okay, y'all, let me just, in case anybody doesn't, I didn't know. I had no idea. You've got Marlon Brando. Oof. old, Mar- weird Marlon Brando, <laughs> and then you've got uber egomaniac, fresh off of Batman, Val Kilmer. Yeah. And then... Hide a Val. You've got, like, the rainy Australian coastline. Hurricane seasons come in. Like, it's, yeah, it's so... And then, um, you know, New Line Cinema, apparently. So, anyway, oh, after we watched the movie, we watched the documentary yeah. Lost Souls about making the right. movie. So, a real easy go with this one. Oh, my God. Yeah. No prob. It was easy peasy. Anytime you've got old Marlon Brando on set, yeah. things just go... It's a breeze. So, such a nice dude let's, to work with. Let's be fair. I mean, not necessarily fair, because you're right. This was a confluence of, of really, like, insane people. Um, the the original director of the movie, Richard Stanley, is one of those insane people. <laughs> like, um, and then like he was replaced by John Frankenheimer, who, you know, just old studio old guy. school, and he would yell at people. And so they were both like, it seemed like the Richard Stanley. Okay, so Richard Stanley, if you haven't seen the doc about the making of it, he has a personal warlock. Do y'all know that? <laughs> as, yeah. as some of us do, Lisa. Yeah. Don't, sh- don't no, warlock I know. Shame. It's not. It's totally great. I wish, yeah. It's a personal warlock that he would get to do sort of, I guess, uh, it's not, what it, it wouldn't be do my bidding. It would be do my magical incantations or something. But anyway. He, what does one employ a warlock for? He got him to, what did he use the warlock for? To like um, align off the ground yeah so he worked on it was like four years of sort of pre-production and writing and character development and apparently this was a cool thing Richard Stanley very original director of this movie 
was the background artist for um, old Ralph Bakshi's. Oh, that was Thomas Kincaid. Whoops. I got, oops, I fused them. I fused them in my head. <laughs> you know, Thomas Kincaid. I fused yeah. them. But no, he had all these crazy background, like, drawing. I mean, all these, like, elaborate drawings. He was just, like, psychedelic drawings for years of critters and fusion people and crazy animals. And it was amazing. And he did all of this for, like, years and years and years. And then he gets to the island and he's got all these actors. Originally, it was going to be Bruce Willis and James Woods. Oh, Jesus. With Marlon, but also then, when you're looking for a fun guy to bring on set, also James Woods. James Woods. Yeah. But both those fell through, and then it wound up being yeah Val Kilmer and then um, David Thewlis. Yep. Um, who apparently hated the movie so much he didn't even go to the premiere. He has never seen it. Straight off of Mike Lee's Naked, from one like super chill set to another. <laughs> um, but anyway, okay. The point is, it was chaos, and so um, the. Well, what I was saying, though, was the um, lady that is a cow lady, I believe, and she has, like, multiple teats and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, yeah, know, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, she I had know exactly who you're talking about, yeah. Part, really, but there's one of the parts. So Val, he's giving out medicine, because part of the thing that makes it extra crazy is these, there's, there's animal-human hybrids, so it's, you know... Yes. And then Val is going, he's the assistant sort of veterinarian type to Marlon Brando's eccentric old, you know, man who owns this island who's totally nuts kind of guy. So they're both, you know, spiraling. But Val starts giving all of the half animal people super crazy drugs, like cocktails of drugs, and you know, all of the bad drugs. And they all go off the rails. And so anyway, one of the days he's giving out some like tranquilizers and he gives them to the sow lady with his mouth. <laughs> And you know, and you so you see that in the movie, and you're like, whoa, wow, okay, that's intense. This island's crazy. But then you see the doc about the making of it and how um, uh, totally insane everybody was. And I'm like, wow. I mean, did Val, that was like a choice Val made to probably do that? Like, I bet that wasn't in the script. I don't know. But like, but like, uh, uh, relatively. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I saw something like that happen at the after party last night. So <laughs> it's not hugely shocking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know, do y'all have any, I mean, oh, and, okay, so the, there's a tiny, tiny, tiny little man. Yes. Um, who apparently, you know, originally he was just. Oh, Ring Shorty. One of the characters in the movie, and Marlon Brando took a liking to him as just on set when they were hanging around. Fast friends. And he decided to make him his, like, essentially little tiny copycat sidekick pet person thing and dressed him started and had the costume department make costumes to match him they even had the prop guy like on set in the middle of nowhere australia in the rainy season on the coast build a tiny grand piano to scale to sit on top of the regular sized grand grand i guess would be the description piano that marlin played and they like dueling pianoed and anyway all of this stuff and so i was watching this I was like oh my gosh it's like mini me and apparently everybody knew that that that's where mini me came from but see for me when i saw mini me in austin powers in what 97 i thought that not an original idea but i thought it was like some kind of spoof on you know some kind of um what's his name James Bond. But apparently it came directly from this. So... Yeah, it's a cautionary tale. Um, <laughs> you know, people... You know, kids, you grow up, you think you want fame, but really what ends up happening is you you find somebody, you create a mini-me, you create <laughs> tiny pianos and tiny clothes. That, anyway, you don't you don't want to go down this road, Lisa. Well, it's, but I feel like if you were that tiny man and Marlon Brando just took you under his wing, I mean, you, what, you would not say no. Uh, would you? <laughs> If you're like, well, now that you ask, I'm not okay, sure. Okay, if you were 
we're also like not talking about like twenty-two inch man. If, we're, we're not talking about Marlon and the wild Brando. one. Like if we're talking yeah. about like streetcar Brando, fuck yeah. Well, he didn't have everybody was lined up to be his mini me in yeah. streetcar, but you know. But yeah, there weren't any. Yeah. So and then you know the mini yeah. me thing. It's kind of like um, so spaceballs for me. I grew up watching Spaceballs. I never saw Star Wars until I was an adult. And so every reference that was ever about that movie, I would just see John and, Candy. Yeah. And I would see... And I didn't... I mean, I knew about the, the big, va- broad strokes of Star Wars, but it wasn't until I actually watched it. I was like, oh my god. You don't gosh. even seem sure what the name of the movie is. <laughs> no. Every time I say Star, I pause because I don't want to say Trek and rile up a bunch of people. I know there's a difference. I know the difference. I know the difference. Um, and I, Tony's been helping me watch Star. I mean, he's been putting on Star Trek. <laughs> he's been putting on Star Trek. And we've been watching those, but I still pause every single time. It's like, you know, it's like when you have two blonde dogs and you call them the opposite names of each other, which is what I did for years. Bubbles and Jane, get them mixed up. When the corner of your eye, they look the same. So anyway, Star Trek. Anyway, it's not about Star TV, but Wars. I'm learning more about Star Trek from Tony, DS9, et cetera, et cetera. But Star Wars, all I learned about that was from Spaceballs. <laughs> Which is what the point of the connection there was that I thought Mini Me, I, well, I learned where Mini Me came from just now, <laughs> the other day. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God. Oh, Lisa, thank you. <laughs> thank do, you, do you so much. Do you have any, any final thoughts on the island of Dr. <laughs> Okay, so I will say my favorite thing about it, because like, okay, yes, the people, the animal people were so HGW and so gross, and I love dogs and critters and animals, but there's something about fusing them with humans and then the grotesqueness and the Stan Winston-ness of it all. It just was too much. Um, but what I loved was the fashion. So Kat, Val was just hot 90s man with tiny shorts. And then sometimes he wasn't even wearing shorts. He would wear a sarong. And he would have his Walkman and his flask tucked in a sarong. And he'd be walking around the grounds. And I was like, that's not practical. Like, that would fall out for sure. <laughs> but whatever. You know, it was a movie. And, um, but then the best outfit, which I think is probably very visually iconic, at least associated with this movie, is um, Marlon with the white face For sunblock sure. and then sure. the little like necker chief cowl and then the gauze right. mosquito net clothing and um and it was great and i loved that look and i was like i like th- i'm literally so cold right now i'm like wearing a, a like a babushka shawl in this theater so i love layers and gauze and i just was inspired by and he was on a palaquin when that when he wore that so um barlin looking hot y'all and this and then, of course, the world-famous bucket hat, which sure. oh, yeah. was apparently, according to the behind-the-scenes doc, um, I learned that, yes, Marlon just decided, I don't know, it's partly seems like he's just kind of like, you know, fucking with the production because he's over it and he's Marlon Brando, but maybe he's also wanted to cool off because it was really hot. And so he had the... He a big boy at this point, too. Bit, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had the production, again, the prop people... Uh, you know, group had to like swing into action and cut a pole in a saucepan to set it on his head to look like a bucket. Um, and then they sort of wrapped some towel around it and it kind of was like this little ice bucket thing. And then there's a whole scene, if you may recall, if you've seen it recently, where Feruza Balk, holler at her, she's in this movie, by the way, um, pours ice <laughs> a with a little scoop into his bucket head hat onto his bald head to keep him cool. But also, he wanted the director, John Frankenheimer, the replacement director, the second director, to write into the script, to rewrite, whoever, to rewrite the script that he actually, because of all his experimentations with animals, had 
somehow accidentally experimented himself into being a dolphin man and he had a little porthole up there. Oh. Or blowhole. Here's my question. What would we do without Hollywood? <laughs> Where would we be? John Frankenheimer directed The Manchurian Candidate. He directed The Train, Second. Serious movies. These are all uh, better than The Island of <laughs> Dr. Moreau. But yeah, well, so subjective. we never got to see the scene where the bucket revealed the bottlenose or whatever. Oh, that's so a shame. that's a shame. But that was a Marlon idea. So anyway, the fashion was my favorite part. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, I. <laughs> no one's arguing that. <laughs> All right, thank you, Lisa. We'll talk to you later, Bros. Okay, bye. All right, what, what do we do now? Show me that smile. Show me that smile. Don't waste another minute. It's our show and tell segment. Our show and tell segment. Again, since podcasting is a completely auditory medium. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I have two things for you. Okay. One of which I'm going to pass you because this is a, a horror films of the 1980s, which is my, you know, my specialty. Of course. Um, I just thought you'd flip through there and maybe find a film uh-huh. and, re- and read to us about that film. So we've this got is... like a film selection. But while you're doing that... Uh-huh. I'm going to point out a, a, a VHS tape that we played the other night at VHS Time Machine, which is where we just throw on a VHS tape in this room, um, and you never know what it's going to be. Um, yeah, and last last week it was Woody Allen, and I don't I don't really care if he knows it. We're not paying him a penny. Yeah, Woody, Woody um, listens to this podcast. So uh, he, he might. He might. Uh, so this is Flirting with Magic, which is an amazing VHS tape that I found at a magician's... Uh, Estate sale. Estate sale, yeah. Um, and it is indeed does exactly what it promises. Yeah. It's just uh, trick after trick after trick. But, this is a um, movie that I wrote and directed. <laughs> and it's like, it's all stuff like you make a pen disappear and then when it reappears, you're like, so can I get your number? Uh. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. So you can borrow it. I know you're happily Thank married, you. but you never know what can happen, Corey. Oh, God damn. <laughs> That's ominous um, in a way that I can't really process right now. Um, okay, so this, this is Horror Films of the 1980s, Volume 1, which takes us uh, from 1980 to 1984. So I'm going to open this at random. Just randomly open and, and, and give us a film. The film is uh, Gates of Hell, also known as City of the Living Dead, which is a Lucio Fulci movie. And I think I've only seen one Fulci movie and it wasn't so you've never one. seen this one? No. Oh, cool. So the synopsis, a priest, Father Thomas, hangs himself on consecrated ground, uh-oh, in a graveyard in the town of, of Dun- Dunwich, Dunwich, like the Lovecraft thing, okay. Uh, at the same time in Manhattan, a psychic named Mary, here we go, this is how you know it's an Italian horror movie, because there's just a casual psychic, um, uh, witnesses his death in a seance, uh, frothing at the mouth from the terrible vision and then up and dying? That, that sentence didn't make sense. Or maybe I just... Yeah, sure. Um, uh, New York City reporter Peter Bell investigates Mary's death only to find her alive in her casket. Uh-oh. After rescuing her, she warns him of a city of the living dead where the gates of hell are opening. A place called Dunwich. Uh, while I'm sure that Dunwich... I don't know. This fucking New England. Um, uh, while uh, Belle and Mary search for Dunwich slash Itch, uh, a New England town where witches were once burned, 
this keeps getting more and more complicated. Uh, the residents must deal with a catalog of inexplicable horrors. Although some folks suspect that the village idiot, Bob, is responsible for the rash of unusual deaths. Another way you know it's an Italian horror movie. There's just a village idiot. Um, uh, a psychiatrist believes his patient Sandra, we're still introducing characters, is, is right to fear a terror supernatural in origin with the gates of hell opening a storm of, a storm of maggot swirl through town. It should be, but it's just not. one really big one. Uh, just one giant maggot. Um, a, a storm of maggots swirl through town. Windows blow open. People vomit guts without cause. <laughs> I'm just reading this word for word. And zombies teleport all around. This is this is like a, thing, a, a sketch on. I think you should leave. Um, uh, finally, Mary realizes, I thought she was dead, uh, that the only way to stop the plague and close the gates of hell resides in the tomb of the priest who killed himself. Um, this is not, uh, the commentary suggests that this is not a particularly effective film, I'm afraid. Um, have you seen I I have movie? not. I would, um, I would maybe recommend it. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, it's amazing that it took this long to get that sound effect. Uh, uh, what can you do? Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> this is the worst thing that ever happened to Corey, was I downloaded a soundboard. Because I've been talking about doing it forever, and the soundboard Cold War, you finally... Uh, You're just setting yourself up. Really sad about it, honestly. Go to the polls. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Never Um, gets old. So uh, this is a neat book, actually. I'm kind of into. Yeah, it's cool. It's got uh, two volumes. Let's just say that the prose is a little. um, It's in our office. You can borrow uh, it whenever you want. But other than that, uh, cool book. Uh, Gates of Hell, by the way, gets two stars. Two stars. Mm, That seems fair. Mm. That seems fair. Out of. Out of like a million, I don't know. Like, well, uh, I let guess me. Four. I'm about to take that away from you because look at him. This is what happens to Corey with a film book. He's like, oh, dude. Mm. Friday the Thirteenth. It's in Heard there. Of it? Three and a half stars. So. Well, why don't we? Um, why don't we wrap up by just doing really quickly? If there's an, another question, maybe we have time for one or two, and that'd be about it. But if you don't have any, that's okay too. Anybody else have any questions? This is your chance to ask. Yeah, we got one. You mentioned last night that it was maybe the first time you'd all agreed on the opening movie night. That's yeah. right. What does it usually look like? Is it like an uglier, nastier version of the podcast? It, it can. It can get that way. Um, I mean, usually we're just kind of going a little head-to-head on it. Um, I don't know. what. How would you answer that? I would say that a lot of this is like pro wrestling to some degree. That we're not necessarily always at each other's throats. That we do have differences of opinion and disagreements and, and we talk through Well, we things. did, we, we actually did, um, if Corey doesn't mind, we did kind of disagree on the later night film. It wasn't your, sure. it was not your pick, it was not your favorite film, Hello Dankness, that is. Yeah, not um, my favorite, but you and Charlie loved it and I see value in it. It's not like I think it's completely worthless. I think it should exist. I think there, our audience should see it and I'm glad that our audience responded to it. Yeah, and I think we're all we're the three of us are pretty direct and we are kind of like pretty consistently talking at at just random times too. It's it's a unique relationship and a unique sort of 
none of us are full time at the cinema, so it's a very unique way of corresponding. Like when I when we decided on opening night, I don't even know if you knew this, but I was like on. I was on a hike in the woods. Like I had left, I'd left the campus where I teach and I was just, I had some time. And so I was like typing while I was hiking. Um, and I said, Hey guys, if you had to pick an opening night film right now, which one would it be? Like, what would it be right now? And immediately it came up there. It was, it was like art for everybody, art for everybody. And I replied and I said, that's exactly my answer too. I think we have our opening night. And then, um, if I know this interests anyone, but we were waiting, waiting and waiting on bottoms. And we're waiting to hear from MGM about whether or not we could get that film. And that was originally going to be the opening night film, but MGM didn't get back to us for another month. Right? Is yeah, that right? It, they took a really long time. We landed so, where we needed to land. Yeah, it was the right, I think it was the right choice. Um, but that rarely happens. Usually it's something else. And again, we're, we're pretty direct with each other too. Like, I mean, I think if you look at our threads, it's kind of like, no, that's not, a, it's not necessarily, I would say that's a bad idea, but I'm like, that doesn't work. You know, we'll just kind of like say that to like to each other. We don't really take it personally. Yeah. You know, and we might come on and like def- try to defend our what we say to each other, but like for the most part it's like pretty it's pretty straight up of like I don't think this works for that reason or that's, you know, that wasn't my favorite film or and sometimes I'll I'm probably the worst of just being like absolutely not. I'll throw a temper tantrum or whatever it may be. I don't know if you guys could have figured that out based on <laughs> our interactions otherwise. Um but I've- I really only once had trouble with the opening night selection, like only once. And it wasn't because at that time I was co-programming with Kyle McKinnon and it wasn't because Kyle disagreed. It was because everybody else on staff disagreed with me. Um, And it was the year we had little bub and little bub actually came. Um, And yeah, I just couldn't. And it, it, it drug on and on and on because I just was taking a stand that I thought that was the right decision. Um, And we did, we did sell out. I'll just say that. And yet, in subsequent years, every time I'm like, here's a fun documentary about a kitty cat, this motherfucker. Because they're not good. Because it it needs to be about a cat and good. They're all good. All right, any last, one last. One last, yeah. Craig Zobel, everyone. I have a question for Lisa about the Island of Doctor. Hell yes. Hell yes, Lisa. Well, I actually saw the documentary, uh, the behind-the-scenes documentary, yes. but I was drunk when I watched it, so I don't <laughs> quite remember the very end. But I, I think, didn't the director who got fired, like, sneak back? Yes, yes. Stuff like one of Yes, I didn't. Okay, yes, I will fill that. Yes, I didn't get to this part. But apparently, so Richard Stanley was fired by the studio and whatever, and then he was driven to the airport to fly back to, I think he, maybe England was where he lived. Maybe he was, where, no, maybe he's American. And yeah, he was American. Anyway, he never made it and apparently snuck away from the airport and started, he found a little cabin he started living in in the woods. And then, um, so the folks that were the, like, critter people, the extras, the actors, all lived together together in these hotels and a bunch were like hippies and that kind of thing and so a bunch of them would traipse around and like make little fires by the river and one day they saw a guy in a hat because oh I didn't mention Richard Stanley always wears hats I mean he has a warlock friend so he would be a hat guy like a floppy hat <laughs> and um so anyway yes so then they were like wait who's that guy and so they put it all together and they were you know just the worker dudes who were not the Val Kilmers and the directors in the studio and the Marlins they were like all the other people who were kind of getting fed up with everybody so they're like hey let's do this so they used a a Stan um, Winston dog mask to put on him to sneak him around and be part of the extras 
and just like be there. And um, they were talking in the doc about to one of the other production people, and they're like, "Yeah, whenever we'd take breaks in the tent, everybody would take their masks off because it was so so hot." But there's one guy never took his dog mask off, and I don't know why. And that was secretly the former fire director just sneaking around. And there was actually a still, they showed a still of a scene from the movie where he made it on film. So so I think that's really cool that he was, you know, he was there. And apparently he revealed himself at the rap party. Like, yeah, it was me. I was sneaking around. <laughs> so thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for listening. This is weird to walk around with a mic like this. It's kind of cool. No, you're killing the, it. I, can I do this in the, in, from now on in the studio, Brad? And just be like, let's walk right, stand right in front of him. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to the Side Talks podcast. Thank you to Boutwell Studios. We're your own personal cinematic. I really don't have much. I was going to say Britney Spears and, and I don't even know where to go with it anymore. Well, we've done that. We, but like it's it's like I want to go look up what's going on with Britney right now, and I can't. I'm like overwhelmed. It's a real roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. The stripper pole. I just wish she'd gotten a better one. <laughs> no, I'm serious, Brad. It's just it's bad. Like everybody's like, have you seen her videos? What she's been posting? I'm like, yes. Maybe we should send help. You know, like I don't know. Um, but regardless, she did do a stripper pole thing to announce her divorce. I guess. But what upset me was not that. I'm happy for her to, to do that. But I just wanted to get a professional pole. I feel like she can can afford it. It was it was like one that was like wobbling, and I was worried she was going to fall. So, are you going to be Britney Spears or a stripper pole? I'm definitely going to be the stripper pole. You win. All right. All right. Thank I'll, y'all. I'm wobbly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got to wrap this yeah. up. Thanks um, for being here. Yeah, we really appreciate this. Um, this keeps somehow getting bigger every year. I don't really know how that yeah. keeps happening. I guess it's just because we. It's because of Lisa. Won't fucking stop recording these podcasts huh. uh, so we really appreciate that you took the time to, to sit here and, and listen to this and um, tell your friends it's on uh, iTunes and shit again right? we'll like, be we... episode 400 is coming right around the bend yeah on any of your podcast listening services so thank you very much to Batwell Studios and uh, bye go see films Batwell Studios podcast division your words our expertise.